welcome to Flex Weather. Welcome back to Flex Weather. This is Jason Anderson of Black and Red United. Been quite a while. Uh, my apologies on that. Missed the entire Challenge Cup. Not ideal. I'm not pretty, not really pleased with with that from my end. Uh, ran into some distractions, some computer malfunctions. The uh, battery for my laptop uh, at one point inflated to like double its size. Which uh, pro tip. If that's happening, uh, that's a big fire hazard. Don't uh, just leave it in there. You got to get rid of that battery. Had my microphone USB cord stop working, uh, which meant the microphone stopped working, and then it mysteriously started working again. No, no, don't really know anything about it. In any case, the show is back. Should become more regular uh, going forward now that we are approaching the regular season. Games coming up as soon as uh, next weekend. So. We'll be in the in the swing of things and hopefully in a real rhythm with this podcast as well as uh, the actual games that it, the podcast is going to concern itself with. Today on the show, uh, I've got Anna Halferty, Spirit Rookie, on her, her perspective on the start of her pro career with her local team, uh, which is, I think, an extremely cool thing that uh, has only happened a little bit over the years, the Spirit uh, at one point had four or five locals, and they got down to only the one with Andy Sullivan, now building back up uh, with Anna. So uh, I was pleased to get to talk to her. Uh, second half of the show, I'll be speaking with Andre Carlisle. We're going to just talk about the general vibe coming out of the Challenge Cup, which it, it as a spoiler, the interview was supposed to be about like multiple topics, but we really kind of honed in on one topic and just sort of we didn't solve the problem, but we had to we had to talk about it because uh, it's probably what you're thinking about with the spirit. If you're a fan of the team coming out of the Challenge Cup, you're probably thinking the same thing we are, which is that the team's got to find a way to score goals. Um, so that's mostly what the second subject, uh, the second segment, I should say, is about. Before I get into that, I don't want this to go too long, but I do. I, I'm sure anyone who's been following the league has noticed that the league has had some problems uh, in uh, the start of 2021, it has not been, it's been rocky uh, to say the least. It's been uh, a few different news items in a few different places that are not very encouraging. I know this is not the world's biggest platform and that this is not necessarily going to change a whole lot, but I do feel compelled to speak to some extent to give my perspective and not just pass on this. Mostly uh, what I'm thinking about is the incident in Houston where uh, Sarah Gordon of the Red Stars said that she and her partner were subject to some racist treatment by security after Chicago's game in Houston, uh, and they were left feeling unsafe. The league instituted some sort of blanket ban uh, from teams on comments about the incident while it was being investigated. This resulted in Red Stars owner Sarah Spain and Gotham FC's GM Elisa Hugh both being fined for uh, public statements in support of Gordon and and, and of Gordon's uh, partner. And earlier this week, uh, the league said it had concluded its investigation, and that was kind of it. That's all they said uh, was just, well, we investigated it, and that's that. The announcement did, the, the announcement media received did explain that the Dash had not been, were not being punished in any sort of way. There was no disciplinary action it also said that the league was going to have diversity training of some kind to some degree. It was kind of unspecific about it uh, for all teams. And it said that that would be, that would be it. There would be no further comment on this incident um, at all. Uh, and I think for me, this was really on multiple levels, a big disappointment. It sets a precedent that makes it difficult to trust the league to handle situations like this, which they aren't going away. You know, the, the start to the season has been rocky because these incidents are happening and to not handle this one transparently and in a way that quite frankly is not even understandable. I, I had a hard time wrapping my head around it. None of us really have any real idea what the investigation turned up, the thought process to reach the conclusion that we got the public conclusion from the league. It's hard to say what's going on. Uh, so I, I feel like people are filling in an information void, which is what happens. Um, I'm not a PR professional, but, you know, if you leave people with a lot of questions and not a lot of answers, they will tend to fill it in with some assumptions that are not favorable uh, to you. And that is what's happening. 
and I don't blame people for that, by the way. It's not, you know, it's a perfectly reasonable stance to take because circumstantially it looks pretty bad. Uh, the situation looks pretty bad the way it turned out. So to me, not taking not taking an action uh, and not explaining that situation further, it strikes me most importantly as a choice. Um, it's not an accident. It's a choice that the league made on this one. And it leaves, you know, it, it leaves people with a reason, you know, to distrust the league going forward, uh, especially uh, people of color. It's hard. It would be if it were me, if it were, you know, if I were in their shoes, I would have a hard time trusting that the league has their best interests in mind at all times. And that's a pretty big letdown. Uh, it's difficult to not catastrophize a little and start to extrapolate from that point. And you, know, you think of women and non-binary players in the league in a society that is, generally speaking, not particularly fair to those groups of people. How are they going to be treated if something comes up uh, in a similar manner? Across, kind of across the board. Uh, pretty much any way you can think of this, it's hard to imagine it coming out that well, at least in my opinion. And, you know, the confidentiality restrictions, the leagues, I want to read the exact quote that was in the release. The league said that because of the confidentiality restrictions in the NWSL anti-harassment policy for a safe work environment, the league will have no further comment on the investigation itself or the outcome. Uh, but if that's the case, and, you know, I'm not a lawyer, maybe there is no way to fix that policy uh, and still have it be effective. I don't know. But if that is not the case, uh, if if there is a way to fix that policy while still explaining yourself further, then the policy probably needs some work. You know, it could be something that's well-intentioned that ended up leaving the league with their hands tied behind their back saying, like, that we legally can't do better than this release. I, I don't know. Somewhere along the line, something needs to change uh, because I feel like the whole thing was quite dissatisfactory to everyone involved. Moving on, uh, now that I've gotten that off my chest, uh, we will roll straight into the interview with Anna. And joining me for the first time on Plex Weather, Spirit Rookie Anna Halferty. Anna, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, I think I'm not exactly sure how many weeks we are into the formal start of your first uh, or fr from your first uh, preseason session. I think it's like 14, maybe 15 weeks uh, at this point. How are things going? That seems like such a big thing to sort of jump into uh, and, and to get, I guess, maybe 15. Is it 15 weeks? I don't even know. Maybe, you know. Yeah, it, I don't know exactly, but it has been a especially long preseason. Mm. Um, but I think it's been good. I think the teams learned a lot, um, from week to week. Um, I think personally, it's been good to have this length of time just to adjust to the speed of play and speed of thought. Um, and yeah, I think we use these games, um, in the challenge cup and learned a lot about our style of play and about different subgroups on the field. So I think that was definitely a bonus, too, to have those under our belt before we start the regular season. I know, you know, finishing up your college career in such a strange circumstance, I would be, you know, I'd be remiss not to mention the, the fact that the college season ended the way it did for so many players, uh, yourself included. Um, did you have much of a sense that the the spirit, I know, you know, being from the area, that the spirit would be looking for you on draft day, trying to bring you into the team? Um, I think I kind of helped my case by being mm -hmm. there in the fall. I was able to stay around here. I'm from the area. So I was able to train with them in the fall and kind of make a case for myself. So I was not certain, but I had been in communication with them and they were happy with how I played. So it was definitely a good opportunity that I got to be here in the fall. Yeah, I think I, I now that you said that, I remember um, Richie on draft night. Uh, I, I said draft day earlier because I'm so used to that for so many years. But that was another strange thing this year was having the draft in the evening. Um, but he mentioned that uh, you had those those sessions with the team last year, uh, tra training with the group. And he mentioned that one of the things he he 
one of the people he consulted over what the te- the team should do finally when they had that pick was that uh, I think it was Andy and Tori he mentioned specifically said that when you were in training you you stood up to the demands of the group you you fit right in and uh, that that helped him make his decision so I was curious um, you know how did those sessions go coming in uh, to you know professional environment where you know, maybe, I guess, I don't know, the, the weirdness of last year makes it kind of an odd one where, um, you know, you're trying to prove yourself, you're trying to stay fit. And then also that group is trying to, you know, stay fit, but it's not necessarily the same as like jumping into the full season. So I, I guess, I guess my question is really, what was that entire experience like? Because it's like most things in 2020 is a very unusual circumstance yeah I mean I was really grateful to get that opportunity obviously training in COVID it's all the protocols and everything it wasn't easy for me before I got to train with the spirit just around the area Mm -hmm. so to be able to jump in with a full group and get quality training was one of my priorities coming into um, my rookie year hopefully that was kind of my plan to get good training and it kind of went from there um becoming an opportunity for me to be with the team but it was very competitive I think I definitely got knocked off my feet a few times and definitely like was a real wake-up call to the level which I think I look back on and really appreciate kind of getting that insight before I um, really stepped into it this preseason. I I am you know we're, we're we're now a few days past the um about a week past the um the final uh challenge cup game for the team and one of the you know this was the first game since 2019 where the spirit were able to host some fans and I actually coming into the stadium as I was making the turn into the parking lot uh that uh the media were were being parked in that night um I happened to see several people with um uh, Halfordy uh, jersey is coming in and I was like that's that's the kind of thing that you know you can't have but without fans it had it I had gotten almost not used to not seeing something like that last year pulling into the lot and is just you know players cars and staff and media and that's it um but you know that was one of those mo- mo- first moments for me that night where I was like oh we're we're you know we're not there yet but we're closer to uh, the norm was seeing those folks. So I'm curious, um, how was your experience getting to play at home, uh, more or less at home, um, with, I assume, you know, uh, these are some folks from your family or, or people, you know, from the area. Yeah. I had a few family and friends show up, which was really nice. And Mm -hmm. I've obviously, heard from teammates just like the environment of playing at home in Audi with fans. And so to kind of get into a situation similar, obviously not full capacity, but just to have fans there and being in that stadium is surreal. And I loved every second of it. So yeah, it was really nice to be back to some normalcy. Uh, I, I kind of, you know, it reminds me with, with some of the other players that have been from the area, um, you know, I've always wanted to know what were your connections to, you know, coming to pro soccer games in D.C., whether it was for the freedom, whether it was for the spirit over the past few years, or whether it's with United or the World Cup way back in the day. I Actually, you might not be old enough for that um, because that was long <laughs> enough back that um, it feels like, to me, it feels like it wasn't that long ago, but it actually it was. Um, but uh, just just anything in particular that you think back to. Um, to, uh, you know, attending games around here or anything like that? What 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 stands out for you? Yeah, I mean, I my coach actually and Jermaine coached um, Whitney Church, who played mm-hmm. on the Spirit. So I do remember going to a few games um, with her and my teammates then um, to support her. And then definitely had been to some RFK Stadium, DC United games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, definitely – been to some of the Washington Spirit or Freedom games and DC United games, which were fun. 
I, uh, it, it was, it was, I, I, we got to come to, um, media. I say we, uh, media got to attend a training session, which is another, you know, step towards things being sort of normal in some kind of way. Um, and the training session being at RFK, I was, you know, it, it felt like, uh, uh, maybe full circle to, to some extent to me, maybe I was just happy to be outside. Um, <laughs> I don't know if, uh, if I was just sort of, um, making connections that weren't there, but I was like, look at, you know, look at all of us. We're all out here. This is great. It, it felt like top of the world to me. Um, and it's, you know, it's nice to hear any connections to, uh, RFK for anybody. Uh, that's always, um, uh, a treat for me because it's yeah. like my favorite place in the world. Um, which unfortunately literally no one's allowed in anymore. Um, so that's the <laughs> downside. Um, I, I'm curious about, uh, on the field. Um, you know, my understanding was that in college, you were a forward, maybe a wide forward. Uh, Richie has had you playing, uh, at least some of the time as a wing back. And I think he mentioned after the first game that it wasn't necessarily, uh, a spot you had a ton of experience with, but that you were, you were really giving it a go. So, um, what's your perspective on possibly having maybe not all the time, but some of the time having to play with that kind of extra responsibility out there, sometimes you're kind of alone out there on the flank. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've in college, I played mostly wing, but played some defense. So um, in the North Carolina game, stepping into the wing back was a little bit of both worlds, I guess, combined. Um, But I I'll play anywhere. I loved it. Um, I think I can do (laughs) get better at it and uh, figure out some stuff, but I enjoyed it. And I, I like being out on the wing. I, uh, I, I am also curious, um, you know, speaking of North Carolina, getting started uh, with that, with that specific kind of um, high intensity sort of thing where, you know, you have those few preseason games, but ultimately um it seems like with NWSL jumping in against North Carolina on the road is a little different from almost any other NWSL experience. So um, I was curious about that because that, that really feels to me like jumping into the deep end. <laughs> I, I would agree. <laughs> it felt like that a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, North Carolina is obviously an amazing team. They're really mm. ferocious and good at pressing and will strip you at any moment so it was a lot of that was all in our you know match prep and Mm. so I think mentally coming in that was something I wanted to focus on keeping the ball for the team and kind of easing into it what are are your and I think I you know at that training session I mentioned you know Richie talked about his thoughts on the challenge cup across the board um, and I was curious, uh, what your thoughts about it were given that, you know, last year it was sort of a necessity. It was fit in when there was no, it wasn't certain what else the league could do You know, this year. It's now a preseason tournament, but you know, the league wants it to be a big deal, but it's also a preseason tournament. And it's kind of, to me, at least it seems like it's caught kind of in the middle. I was curious, um, as a player, uh, what you thought of it, whether, um, it was helpful or whether you would want to like tweak some things. If, if you were just, if, you know, if the league called you and said, Anna, you're in charge of the challenge cup next year, do whatever you want. Yeah. I, I think I can see both sides. I think it is hard stepping into the like full 90 games and expecting teams to be at their top. Um, but I also think it was really helpful for us just to learn a lot about ourselves and obviously going forward, we want to get the results and that's not going to be, you know, acceptable in the future. But I do think um, as a rookie, having those games to just um, see them and watch them and then be a part of them too um, was definitely helpful before we get into full swing. Hmm. Um, I'm I'm curious, you know, coming through that preseason, it being such a long preseason with, um, you know, the the pre, I I guess I should say the preseason, portion that wasn't challenge cup preseason um you know as a team you you had i think it was four games set up and then you only had three of them actually get played um 
what were your thoughts on that coming into the league? And, and obviously you had trained with the team before, um, but now being under contract on the team and then having, you know, so many weeks of preseason that weren't necessarily being punctuated by a lot of games. It was just training session, training session, training session. Um, how, how did, did, was that helpful in a way, or was that kind of a, you know, kind of a drag? Um, I, I think it was helpful. I think going that hard for that long can be hard just mm. on your body and mentally. Um, and I think at times the team felt that, um, but there was a lot of work done and good work that helped us. Um, I don't know the exact answer if we could have done it the same things in a shorter period or had more games earlier, something that would have made it better. But I do think that we got a lot out of it. Uh, how was the, um, you know, going down to Florida uh, for preseason is now, you know, two preseasons in a row that the club has managed to, um, you know, have, have the financial backing to go do that. Um, this year, obviously quite a bit different since last year, they were just, they got there and then immediately became stuck in the hotel. Um, mm -hmm. how was that experience overall? I mean, obviously most of your time and energy gets stuck on training and being ready for training and all of those things. Um, how did that help as far as like a team building thing or, or you, um, you know, Yes, you did have those training sessions in 2020 with the team, but there's still a level of familiarity that you don't get when you're not actually on the team. Uh, if that, you know, that yeah. amount of time down there, if that changed anything. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we were really lucky to have um, amazing owners and staff that were able to put that together for us. Um, but yeah, there is a difference in just like being around the team day in and day out and especially off the field, just building those relationships, hanging out and getting to kind of be outside of just our living space mm -hmm. um, and to be in Florida and in a different routine and getting to walk around was, I think, really beneficial for mm -hmm. the, just the team cohesion and just like mentally just to be in a different place and train. You know, I, I heard uh, last year um, that, one of the one of the things with you know when the group goes away it seems like uh invariably someone finds or locates a ping pong table somehow <laughs> um i heard uh a few things uh, i heard apparently richie is quite good um and uh ashley hatch i think came up uh every time was that was that still the case were they still the uh the top ping pong options uh on the team this time I'll give it to Ashley Hatch, but I yeah. do have to say me and Stan Sam Staub um, yeah. beat Richie. Okay. So I don't know <laughs> if that's public news yet, but yeah, he, he had a tough game. So I don't know. He could still be at the top, but yeah. maybe not. I, I, yeah. Yeah. You're you, you and Sam might be disrupting the order. Uh, yeah. Uh, a little. <laughs> we snuck in there a few times, but yeah. Um, what else, what else were you guys doing to sort of, uh, you know, not just be stuck fully on soccer all the time? I'm sure, um, you know, teams, I think, I can't remember now that there was a show that Sam mentioned that she had finished on Netflix. That was like, I think it has come up a couple of times since like, oh, this might be the, the team show right now or something. Uh, I, I'm curious what people are into, because I also, also just need <laughs> suggestions to a certain extent. Hmm. I know there was a bit of Bachelor watching or Bachelor okay. watching. Um, what show? I'm trying to think. We watch a lot of soccer. Champions League has been mm -hmm. on. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure what show she was talking about. Mm. I'm trying to think. I, 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 you know, I'm also, you know, thinking now. Um, you're shifting gears. You're you've you've all you, i think richie said you guys got a break until um was today the first day back from that little uh break after the challenge cup yes today was yeah. actually the okay. first day back yeah um so how uh how did you use your break uh and and also how much of a like recharge was that to sort of get almost a week away where you could just sort of decompress after 
X number of weeks of having no real breaks or not very many serious breaks at all. Yeah. I mean, it was really nice. I actually got to head out to Colorado to visit mm. my girlfriend. Um, mm. But yeah, I think Richie just put an emphasis on taking this time and really just breaking up the preseason time we spent and kind of shifting gears into regular season. So recharging, resetting, and just getting mentally ready to go back and get, mm. get after it. You know, once the, once the, uh, the regular season gets going, you know, things shift a little bit in terms of, um, you know, maybe the team gets a little less experimental in some things because now, you know, Richie said all along that he viewed the challenge cup personally, he viewed it as part of the preseasons. You know, some teams are maybe not thinking that way. Um, you know, I think when you look at, you know, and, Gotham did get to the final, but I do think that there's a certain feeling I've gotten that maybe for them, this was something that they were tactically taking fewer chances and, and more focused on actually getting results. Um, so I'm curious, this shift, this final shift, not that any team didn't want to win their games, but um, this shift now to the regular season, it it's, you know, there's no question as to uh, just how important it is. Um, how prepared do do you feel and, and how prepared do you think the team is right now to, um, you know, to get going uh, with, uh, you know, we're, I think, uh, 12 days away from the actual uh, opening game of the season? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're all really excited and I think we have higher expectations and standards for ourselves. So getting results is going to become really important. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think every line just has so much talent. And so I think what Richie was trying to do was kind of figure out what, what players work well together and what that, um, is going to look like down the line. But I mean, he's got a hard job. I can't <laughs> imagine mm -hmm. being in his shoes. Just every position is, um, so competitive and just have so many talented players on this team. So mm. I think things will start um, to work themselves out. And I think we're all committed to that. Um, so, yeah, we're excited. Cool. Well, I, I, I don't want to conclude uh, this segment without asking uh, something I've, I've tried to ask of everyone that's been on the show uh, for the first time. Um, but especially being from the region, you, you might have access to a few more memories than other folks do. Um, this show is called Plex Weather, and I'm, I'm curious if you have had any experience with the bizarre uh, weather at the Maryland Soccer Plex that, that kind of defies explanation uh, and has interrupted so many games uh, and, and probably other things, too, I can imagine. Yeah, I think I, I think I have. We obviously train there in the in the fall. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, the I think I remember one time being at actually a, a spirit game. Um and it just like pouring rain and then mm -hmm. completely stopping. But yeah, you can't really explain the weather around here. It's it's bipolar <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it gets it gets weird for sure. Um I, I'm <laughs> I, I'm glad to hear that. That was this a game where you had to retreat to the parking lot, or or they were did they manage to play through it? They managed to play through okay. it, but it was that's, yeah poor field conditions after. But that's that's a rarity in and of itself that, <laughs> that they the, that the game they continued. A, yeah, it wasn't a. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, I, I believe there were two or three uh, games that were rescheduled for the morning after um, because of the the incredible uh, weather delays that uh, I, I don't, I, at some point, I, I think I've said this once before, I've got to have like a meteorologist on to figure <laughs> out why that area the of the world. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what is it with that space that causes this to happen? Because uh, I, I, I certainly don't have any expertise in weather and cannot figure it out. So I, I, I don't know. I feel yeah. almost like a, um, like a caveman looking at the skies and, and not understand now it's not really a part of the spirit anymore. You're not training there or playing there, but it still feels like a, 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 a crucial part of team history, even if also a very confusing part of team history. 
Yes. Um, well, well, let me know if you find anything out. I, I will. I, I'm. I, I. I'm gonna have to figure it out. I've got to find. If you're a meteorologist and you're listening to this show, please get in touch. Um, <laughs> but uh, Anna, uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for joining me. Really appreciate your time, and I'm you know hopeful that everyone listening is uh, looking forward to seeing you out there. Yeah. Thank you so much. My thanks to Anna again, uh, and I'm not going to belabor this because the show is a little longer than I wanted it to be. Uh, so we will go straight into my chat with Andre about the Spirit and the Challenge Cup. And now we're rolling into the second segment. And I've been promising I would remember to say this for the second time. I believe this is the first time I've been able to say for the second time for everyone keeping track. I'm sure someone is paying very close attention to this that isn't me. Just kidding. I'm sure it is just me paying <laughs> desperately close attention to this. Uh, I'm joined by... Andre Carlisle of Black and Red United, of Diaspora United, of Frank Kirby Fight Club, of... Uh, am I forgetting something? I probably am. It's a uh, long list. It, it, if, whenever people do this, I'm always like, I just kind of laugh at myself. I don't know how all this happened. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, we ain't got no history. I also yes. tend to write every now and then from them. So yeah, um, I don't know how I got myself into all that, but wow. <laughs> It's the the classic tale of any of any uh, soccer writer uh, is is usually in, it usually involves a little like yeah I'm not really sure how this uh, came to be uh, I'm not sure what the, what path I took but I'm here right exactly <laughs> it's like uh, I'm here and those things sound familiar I guess yeah I do them. <laughs> the, the, these things definitely maybe happened um, but we're we're gonna talk a little about the uh spirits overall challenge cup we i kind of as i said in the beginning of the show kind of ran into some issues uh computer wise uh microphone wise otherwise uh scheduling wise um and so i kind of didn't get an episode out during the entire challenge cup which means we get to sort of take it all at once um so Andre, I guess I'm going to start, we'll go big picture. It's if we went like granular on four whole games, we'd probably have a three to four hour segment. I don't think anyone wants that. Um, <laughs> so let's go big picture. Um, what's on your mind? What's like the, the first thing you're thinking of when you're thinking of the spirit and the challenge cup, their performance, or really any aspect that, that comes to mind for you? Um, um I, <laughs> When you were setting up this question, I was thinking, all right, I'm going to try not to be basic and come up with a, with a different answer uh, so that I can sound intelligent and, and analytical. But um, I don't think I can. Uh, goals. Yeah. <laughs> Early on score goals. That's, that's really my main thing. Like, uh, that's, that's been the thing for a little while. And in four matches, we scored three. Two in the first match without any of the international players. So um interesting <laughs> you know like i just i don't know where the goals are gonna come from and i i was hoping to get a little bit of that answer you know uh i know we had questions about trinity robin she answered those mm -hmm. but in terms of the goal scoring i don't think we got any answers in these four matches and that's a little a little concerning to me i think yeah i, I think that's gotta be you know that i'm not surprised that that's the answer because it's kind of what everyone's thinking you know i i posted about some of the the challenge cup final they sent media members they sent us a, a little packet of data about mostly about the thorns and about gotham rightly so um but i did comb through it looking for anything i could about the spirit because unfortunately we're kind of stuck in this world where nwsl data is hard to come by so anything we get we're you know we're, we're really having to comb through every little bit to see like what, what can we possibly glean um and the numbers were kind of like a parody of what the spirit are in terms of reputation you know if people said what are the spirit like and we say well they're definitely the most possession oriented team in the league um and they definitely have an issue with turning that into goals and this was like the extremes of that were so large in the data and also you know we saw the games we all know this um you know the the gotham game kind of summed it all up you know this is the spirit especially after halftime having a ton of the ball controlling the way the game was going the ball would not go in the goal um you know and 
some of that is uh, Didi Heracic came up with a couple of great saves. Uh, they had shots going off the post. They had big chances that you know if if Hatch and, and Sullivan get those in particular get those big chances again on those headers, uh, you probably expect them to finish them. But you know on the other side of it, this Spirit have done this before where they've had the big chances and and you say well you know at some point someone's got to start putting them in um and over time if you keep having that come up and you say well the number it's bound to balance out and it keeps not balancing out that starts to become a worry because that means something is off that is that is not the the, the data and the laws of probability are being defied here and we have to kind of get to the bottom of it and it's hard to solve other than the ball doesn't want to go in. I don't know anymore. Yeah, I think that was the scary thing is that, you know, and, and especially in the pride match, everybody, you know, kind of was praising uh, Ashlyn Harris and the, and the match that she had. And she did. She made some really good saves, but there was also some poor finishing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the in the Louisville match, it was kind of this, it was the same thing. We ended up getting the goal, but it was what was it? A stoppage time. Uh, and it was it was that awesome. And it was I think the best goal that they've scored uh, during the challenge cup. Of course, we mm-hmm. only had three to choose from, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that was the, that was the best one. And that, that gave me a lot of hope. Like, Oh, if these players can combine in this way, that can un- unlock a lot of teams. And so that was encouraging, uh, even though it felt like it took a little bit too long to put that together, but they did. And then we didn't see any of that uh, in the next two matches. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, you know it's it like you said it's kind of interesting with when it comes to stats like you see you feel like there's just just the way that averages work in this sport you assume if you're creating the chances you're gonna get the goals but that's when you have to dig a little deeper and i wish there were deeper stats that were more readily available because Mm -hmm. to me and and even watching it seems like the quality of the chances and the quality of the shots that are being taken aren't good enough to actually get into the net and i think that's the problem like that to me is like the primary problem of why um spirit aren't aren't scoring because i got no questions about the defense i've got you know the, the midfield is incredibly strong especially when andy sullivan is there so like i don't have major questions about those two lines it's really how are we putting the ball in the net <laughs> yeah it's it's you know i'm thinking now we're talking about that um the goal against uh, louisville and when you think of how that came across, you know, Tori Huster uh, breaks some pressure uh, with oh. some really smart movement. It's not just her um, receiving the ball. It's what she does to position herself to receive the ball and do something immediately. Um, that turn. That yeah, turn. That, that, that turn was – it's a real wonderful piece of that that kind of gets lost a little because, you know, what follows is Trinity Rodman, you know, doing what, you know, what she seemed to do frequently. I think she ended up leading the – uh, leading the challenge cup in key passes. Um, but this particular one I think is maybe instructive because it's not just her making the pass to Sanchez to set up a goal. It's she gets into the box and to the end line and then cuts it back. And that's become, there's a lot of, you know, it's one of those old things. I remember playing in the nineties and having coaches be like, don't just hit normal crosses, you know, don't just stay up on the touchline hitting crosses, try and get to the end line and cut it back. Those are better chances. And they didn't have data on it. It was just one of those eye test kind of things. But now we have data on it and the data is like screaming, like get to the end line and cut it back. Um, And that's one of the only chances the spirit created in these four games where someone got to the end line and, and gave a cutback that was actually where the, attacking the the player who was supposed to be shooting was where they needed it to be. Um, So, yeah, I I think, you know, you're right that they did create a lot of shots. They led the entire league in shots in the challenge cup, but a lot of those are longer range shots. Um, And, and it is, there is something good about that in that, you know, last year's spirit were maybe only getting, I think it was like 12 point something shots a game. And now they're up to um, their lowest was 17. So that's definite progress um, because last year it was a similar thing where it was like, yeah, they did have a lot of the ball, but a lot of those shots weren't particularly high uh, percentage shots. Um, so on that front, they're getting in those, those spots more often. It's just, you know, maybe a few of those 
longer shots could have been turned into, you know, if you, your movement is a little better, if you've got a little more precision on the dribble, someone doesn't have to settle for that shot from 20 yards. And maybe we're getting more of these cutbacks or um, through balls or, or, you know, other higher percentage looks where it's someone in the box shooting from the penalty spot rather than, you know, hoping that uh, I'm thinking of like Heracich had that save on Sullivan. Um, it was a great shot. It was a great save. But like, how often does that shot actually go in? It's not very yeah. often. It takes something yeah. special. And you're not going to win a lot of games if you're relying on something special over and over <laughs> again. You need some crap goals. Uh, yeah. You, you need someone just like having it like all they had to do was get their shin on it and it gets over the line. And that's maybe what the spirit doesn't. They don't create that many of these garbage goals. And I, I it's one of my favorite measures of whether a team is doing well or not is you'll score some crap goals. If you're playing well, you, if you're North Carolina, you're going to score some crap goals. Um, yeah. If you're Portland, you're going to score some crap goals. You'll mix in the good ones. And that's cool. Um, you know, Crystal Dunn and Dabinia are going to do what they do, but some, at some point, someone is going to have a ball that goes in off their knee. Um, and that also counts for one. It turns out. <laughs> That is true. That is true. It's almost like the uh, uh, like in basketball, <laughs> like like you know you can you can do all the dunking and stuff, but even you know the 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 standard issue fundamental layup is worth the mm-hmm. same amount of points. Which you know I'm not going to get too nerdy about that. Um, I still love to see a dunk, just like I would love to see Andy Sullivan. I really do think that she's going to smash in some of those long range shots, mm-hmm. but like you said, that can't be like a consistent game plan. She's she would have to be like an un heard of player <laughs> right. across across the entire sport of soccer to continuously put in long range shots as like a all right here's what we're gonna do <laughs> we're gonna get the ball to Andy Sullivan 25 yards out and she's gonna score a goal like that can't be the game plan every right. match yeah that's like a that's like a rec league kind of plan it doesn't work <laughs> when 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 all the players are good it doesn't work anymore <laughs> right um when right. when when the goalkeeper is a goalkeeper and not just the person who's like, all right, I'll, I'll play in goal for the first half because our, our keeper isn't here yet. Um, right. He's stuck in know. traffic. So, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the worst goalkeeper in the NWSL is making those saves all day. So um, yeah, uh, it's, it's, I'm sure for the team, um, you know, Richie after the last game brought it up um, and he said straight up that it's kind of, this has been the thing for a while now and they know it. Um, and they haven't really been too focused. Like you, you mentioned the defense in the midfield. Um, they seem, you know, they want to establish some fundamentals there, but it, for, especially with some new players coming in with, with Sonnet and O'Hara, especially, but a lot of it is like, this is kind of set. We know what we're doing. Um, it's just this last piece that has become the hard part. And I do, I, I don't want to say I'm worried about it, but like Gotham now has had a few games in a row where uh, they've shown that there is a recipe to playing the spirit. Um, and you know, if you're the courage, you say, I don't care. We're going to do what we do and whatever happens happens. Cause that's the way the courage play. Uh, and Portland is probably not going to sit back um, and, and play a low block, but uh, you know, Gotham's done it. They've been getting results against the spirit. Uh, you're going to have to play Chicago a few times. Uh, Rory Dames has no problem saying like, okay, let's play low block. And if we get a counter, great. Um, you know, Louisville clearly in that game at Audi field, they were like, this gun's kind of getting away with us, uh, away from us. So let's, let's drop off. Uh, let's get defensive and just try and ride this thing out. It almost worked. So, um, if the spirit can't solve that and start creating better chances and then start putting them away, this could be kind of a recurring theme. Um, this this is maybe uh, the almost it almost feels to me like the question of the entire season. Uh, looking down the road is like if the spirit can solve that on a consistent basis, they're a serious contender. And if they can't, they'll probably make the playoffs on the basis of their overall team strength. But like that seems to be the ceiling. If they can't solve that sort of, we're going to play low block. We're going to keep our fullbacks home. Uh, we're going to set up four, two, three, one. And and if you can't break us down, then, you know, tough break. Um, and that's, that's, that's what it feels like right now to me is that like, if they can't start to solve that, 
when the season comes, then the ceiling is where it's been for a couple of years now. Yeah, and I think that's that's uh, honestly, you know, if I'm okay, I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be mm-hmm. very honest here. Um, this is why I was so confused about the offseason additions. I think that sure, if you have a chance to bring in Emily Sonnet, you you do it. If you have a chance to bring in Kelly O'Hara, sure, you do it. But in terms of what the team needed, I'm not 100% sure those were the moves to make. You know, it, it just so happened that in the in the Challenge Cup, I believe Paige Nelson picked up a little injury, should be fine, uh, and Sam Staub was recovering. But we've got two very solid center backs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fullback has been a tad of a question mark, so you maybe think like Kelly O'Hara and Emily Sonic can play over there perhaps and, and help out and make that uh, right back position a bit stronger. But I think that, if you're if the goal if you know what your long your long term problem has been scoring goals, and you have no more Roosevelt, and you have Ashley Sanchez who really came in and showed that she's ready for this league. She can dribble in in the last year's Challenge Cup. She was the breakout star in this year's Challenge Cup. Trinity Rodman is the breakout star, and you've got those players, and you know. Obviously, kudos, right? You know, you you've got you did some good, great drafting. You got two players that can help right away. Uh, you got Yokoyama, who's been playing very well. I actually thought that, you know, in that almost like, I think the spirit looked a bit like their most dangerous when she was kind of playing that <laughs> false nine slash true nine mm-hmm. kind of uh, situation. Never, never really playing, I guess, a true nine at that height, but but yeah. you know, uh, trying and. You know, I, I kind of like that because there was a little bit more movement and connectivity from the midfield. But I I just think that in terms of solving that primary problem, it doesn't seem like that's been a focus in terms of personnel. And that's a little weird to me. Um, I know that, you know, Richie Burke has, has talked and said that they're still looking at bringing in players and we'll see what happens. Of course, there was that report where we're we're pretty confident that Bunny Shaw is going to choose Manchester City, but apparently right. there was a uh, offer from the Spirit and at least one other NWSL club. I have dreamt about that <laughs> having Bunny <laughs> yeah. Shaw lead the line uh, next to Trinity Robin and Ashley Sanchez. That 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 would solve it. Uh, but if, apart from the dream scenario, I'm really not sure where to go. I I think. You know, in one of the wrap-up pieces, I mentioned that Takarada has played uh, on a forward line before, really played on, on all three lines and played mm-hmm. well. Um, but it seems like Japan really wants her at the center-back position. So to me, the big question is, is instead of just, you know, looking at it and saying, I don't know where the goal scoring is going to come from, like trying to solve it also creates a shoulder shrug situation. And I don't really love that. I would right. like to be able to say, here's something we could try, but I don't know exactly what that is without another player coming in. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's it's still that same old puzzle where um, some of this is that the team is still not great at creating the kind of chances that Ashley Hatch has shown that she's the most comfortable with. Yeah. Um, and so some of it is is she the right striker for the rest of this group? Um, and, and some of that too is, you know, can the coaching staff uh, get this group to adapt to that and start to play some of these uh, through balls in? Because that's kind of what they they view as her best sort of, um, the, the most suitable kind of chance for her game is playing her through and having her running in. Um I'm only I'm trying to think of how many looks like that she got in the challenge cup. And I'm thinking of there was uh, one in the Orlando game just before Orlando scored their goal um, where she did get through. She got in behind her shot was just barely over the bar. She beat Harris, um, but just the the ball is about a foot too high. Um, And, you know, I think that game probably does change if that ball goes in. I mean, obviously it changes. They get a goal instead of no goals. Um, but yeah, um, I think that would have been a very big goal for her um, and, and maybe for the team as sort of a proof of concept. Sometimes a team needs to see the idea happen once uh, before they start to really buy into it. Um, but yeah, that that's definitely, 
it's sort of a, a two-way street there where she does have to do better with the chances that are created for her because not no striker is going to get only the kind of chances that they are the best at. Um, but also the team does need to start finding a way to create looks that are more suitable for her. And if that's, um, you know, drawing teams out of their low block a bit, then, then they have to be sharper on the ball and, and move it more quickly. Um, as much as they're so good at possession, uh, speeding up that tempo just a little bit deeper in the field might be the key here where instead of this being breaking a team down, once you've gotten in the attacking third, maybe you play her through earlier. Um, and so maybe it's someone like Andy Sullivan or Sam Staub is playing that ball in, uh, rather than, uh, one of the attackers, uh, mixing that in might help quite a bit. Uh, they just, they haven't quite produced too many of those so far, uh, this year. And, you know, we're talking about a team that scored one goal in their last three games. Uh, it's gotta be better across the board, certainly, but that's, um, right now Hatch looks like the starter. And so you've got to find a way to make that work. And she, she has to find a way to make it work. And the team has to find a way to make it work. Um, because there is, you know, it could work. It's not like an unworkable situation at this point, but it has been long enough now where, you know, 2019, it was a little bit of an issue. 2020, it seemed to be the issue for the team. Um, and now we're kind of butting up against it a third time. That's where it's, it's a pattern at that point. And it does become uh, a little worry. You know, uh, I mentioned at the top of the show, um, uh, Tara McCune or perhaps Mickey own um, <laughs> Mickey own still, still have to get to the bottom of this pronunciation thing. I, I probably should have by now. I probably should have like emailed someone at USC and just asked straight up. I just haven't gotten to it yet. Um, so if, if, if I've been mispronouncing her name, I apologize. Um, I've never heard that pronunciation before, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means I'm, you know, I'm the uninformed one here. Um, but I, I I don't think you should you should label yourself uninformed. I'm not too <laughs> sure of too many people who have heard uh, M C K E O W N pronounced Mickey Own. But uh, every single highlight yeah. <laughs> reel I've watched, every single match I've watched, uh, the commentators definitely multiple commentators say Mickey Own, and it just it gets me every time. Yeah, uh, it, it was the first time I, I I heard it. I was like, what is what's going on here? And then it. <laughs> It kept, it was like the second game of their season. And then it just, it kept uh, the first game of theirs. I watched, it wasn't the pronunciation that just adds to my confusion. Um, <laughs> so I'm not sure what's going on in any case, uh, getting her signed. Uh, I know Richie said specifically at the open training session, they had a couple weeks ago that they see it as an area of need, which, you know, we just talked about Kumi Yokoyama having to play as a nine rather than playing off of a forward. Um, Trinity Rodman has had to play centrally instead of wide a couple of times. So it is an area of need. She's also just a really, really good player. Um, and and having that competition might help. Um, you know, Avery Collins getting hurt in the preseason, it did rob them of an element they don't really have. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, none of the players are going to quite play like Collins because Collins is tall and strong and fast and she plays that that old school number nine kind of approach that isn't really anyone else's game on the team so they don't have that change up that they can throw at teams and say okay um what we've been trying isn't quite working so we're gonna go maybe a little more direct to a traditional target forward and see if that changes things um but at the same time uh adding serious competition and, and a slightly different player um uh, McCune is definitely more of a uh, maybe more involved in the buildup. She has uh, she piled up assists this year as she has through her college career. So um, maybe someone who connects a little more might be able to not just compete, but maybe even emerge as the starter down the road. Um, the The door is certainly open because, you know, if, if this if we're a month into the season, uh, a month into the regular season, and this issue hasn't really started to hash out, I guarantee that the coaching staff is going to be like, okay, we have to change something. Um, Whether it is formation, uh, whether it is personnel, whether it's both, um, they're going to be looking because, you know, this 
this team has put a lot of pressure on themselves to win. They've been pretty upfront saying we want to win. We want to win soon. We don't want to, we're not building to down the road. We want to start winning things as soon as we can. That means this year. So it is a, it's a, a strange situation to be in um, for sure that you have a lot of good ingredients, but do they actually work? And I, I don't know at this point. And that's kind of the, 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 the kind of sad part for me is that, you know, everyone was assuming, you know, for the past, you know, couple seasons that spirit are coming, right. They're going to be, they're going to be title contenders really soon. And now it almost seems like they've been oh, like, people are, are like ran out of patience. Now mm-hmm. it's like the, the dark horse team is Gotham, right. Yeah. That's, that's the team that everybody's looking at that says like, you know, obviously they're not perfect. They're not on like Portland's level. Um, I may eat those words if they end up winning the final <laughs> against them, but we'll see. Um, but that's still a team that went through a rebrand and it's awesome. And they've got great attacking talent, got a solid midfield. They made a move that made sense, right? They brought it, they yeah. got Allie Long. So that that was like, you see what they're doing and you see that they're getting closer to being a complete and balanced team. And the spirit are still where they were, you know, a couple seasons ago. I think you made a great point in terms of changing this up the style of play that you're mentioning earlier for that Louisville um, goal, getting to the end line and cutting back. That's great. That's what you, that's what possession teams really want to do, right? They want to, they want to really spread you out and then beat you those spaces and be able to then crash the box and cut and get the ball uh, cut back so that it gets to a foot and there's nothing defenders can do about it because they've already gotten themselves pushed so deep. And so that's great, but like you said, that's not really an Ashley Hatch skill set. She can get better at those things, but the best thing to do would be to change your approach so that maybe, and we kind of we saw this. I thought this was a little wrinkle that we saw in the first match with the courage that we didn't see ever again, and it's Trinity, Trinity Rodman's goal. That was a pass over the top from Natalie mm-hmm. Jacobs, who's what play, she was what, playing the defensive midfielder at that point. Yep. And it was a pass from her own half that was pinpointing perfect, got Rodman making a run in behind, two touches, touch off the thigh, side foot into the goal. I mean, it was the, I think, <laughs> I know I said the other goal was probably the most <laughs> beautiful goal, but I, now I'm thinking of it. I'm like, oh, that was gorgeous. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think doing stuff like that, bringing people back and not always trying to push up, maybe gives you some more space in behind so that players can make those runs. If that's how Hatch is best utilized, great. If you can get a player like Trinity Robin doing similar things, good, good. You know, even maybe you get her running to the to the end line from that kind of scenario, and then you have Ashley Sanchez cutting into the box as well, just like the goal against Louisville. So you can have, you know, that can work multiple ways. But I do think that you're very accurate in saying, like, if, like, we have pieces that should be able to score more than three goals in four matches. <laughs> We just yeah. do. And yeah. it's frustrating that that hasn't happened. And so I do think that it would be worth changing the system a little bit. And, and, and I, I, I love attacking football. I love attacking soccer. So like the possession pin the defense back really speaks to me and I love it, but you got to get the goals. And if you have to change that, you know, if you have to drop a little bit and you're not just, and you're not just moving the ball around the box in the final third, and you're you're moving it around more in midfield. Obviously, if you lose it there, there's less space, right? Then then it's a little you know the team starts a little higher up in their counter counter. So maybe that's a little concerning. But why'd you go out and get Emily Sonnet and Kelly O'Hara, right? Why do we have the defense we have with with mm-hmm. Son, um, Staub and Nilsson? Like we've got players who can handle that transition. So maybe it is time to change that, tweak a little bit, and see if we can get players running in behind. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, it's funny, like this segment was going to have multiple topics, but I feel like <laughs> the dominant topic had to be the, the attacking output because the rest of the team really seems to be what we thought it would be very strong among the best in the league um, in goal backline midfield. Um, it really is that final piece that is still the, the existing question uh, is what it was a few weeks ago. Um, and I mean, so yeah, I, if, if you look at it, you know, from the other perspective, right, not, not to not to I know we've really kind of bashed <laughs> this 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 flaw for for, you know, 20 minutes or so. 
But if you look at it, like you said, midfield and defense, solid. We only gave up one goal in three matches, right? If mm. So if you look at it that way, and that goal was a really great pressing move from Alex Morgan, it's really good, and a great pass that she made, and Sydney LaRue running off of Takarada. And that was the first time Sonnet and Takarada played together. And so you can forgive that one, you know, kind of mistake. That was a quick transition moment that is, you know, you'd, you don't really anticipate giving your midfielder giving up the ball in that scenario. Right. And like, in a, you know, in a routinely. So you don't expect that to be, that wasn't something that was just constantly there, right? That wasn't something that was constantly a, a, a way to beat the spirit defense. And so you do look at it and you say, defensively and in making sure we smother teams in midfield, making sure that like we don't like Aubrey Bledsoe never had to really stand on her head the way Ashlyn Harris did or mm-hmm. Heritage did. You know, they they did a good job after the North Carolina Courage match <laughs> of <laughs> limiting chances and shutting teams down. So I don't want to be completely negative, but right. we had to talk about the problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, especially with, you know, everything else seems like it's going pretty well uh, overall. So um I, I mean, I feel like this is going to be the concern with with if if you know you went to the stands at Audi Field and you just r- walk up to a random person that you know follows the spirit closely, you're like, what are your concerns right now? They're going to say, I would like the team to score some more goals. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised that that's where we went because I feel like that's what everyone's thinking. You know, whether you're a fan, whether you're not a fan, whether you're just someone who's like, well, I watch the Spirits games during the Challenge Cup, I follow. Chicago, I follow uh, uh, O.L. Rain. you're probably going to say the same thing. Uh, you're probably like, yeah, that team seems pretty good if, if they can start to put together some goals. Um, so, yeah, the, the the problem coming in, the the question mark coming in, it still hovers over us. We're stuck. We're, that is a, that the plex weather of our, our lives right now <laughs> is uh, the question of goal scoring, I, I guess, is just a, the looming cloud that we have to either resolve somehow or endure uh, a storm of some kind. Uh, I don't know if this metaphor is perfect, but <laughs> it's what I got. Um, Come I, to I've, us, Bunny Shaw, please. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Bunny Shaw, if you're listening to this podcast, please get in touch. I, I can help uh, persuade uh, you. I, I Maybe I can. I probably can't. Um, <laughs> but I would like to give it a shot. Uh, if you're interested in playing for the spirit, um, it would be nice I think for us, I think we think it would be cool. Um, maybe you think it would be cool as well. Um, I'm thinking now, like I'm now, like her international teammate is on the team. Sydney Schneider is on the team. Yeah, I feel like go. she's going to do a better job selling the spirit than than we are. Um, so maybe I'll, I'll uh, profess that 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 <laughs> this podcast might not be the best place for that sales job. But if it happens, if it, that's what it has to be, then that's what it will be. Um, but until that comes to pass or until this podcast causes other player signings uh, to happen, I think I think we've said what, what can be said about this without turning it into the three-hour uh, deep dive. So, uh, Andre, thanks again for coming on. Um, let the people know if they – I don't know why they wouldn't know where to find you on the internet. But uh, <laughs> if, if you're listening to this but you don't know that stuff – please follow the following accounts that Andre will tell you about right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, personally, not underscore Carlisle. Um, Diaspora United at Diaspora U-T-D-P-O-D on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I don't mess with the Instagram at all, but uh, <laughs> my co-host Courtney does. So uh, yeah, you can follow that. And um, uh, if you're into Chelsea, Chelsea Women um, at Fran Kirby FC. So that's all I got. All right, that's the show. Thanking Andre and Anna once again. I thought both chats were really were really fun for me. Hopefully they were fun for you. That is kind of the point of the podcast. Otherwise, it's just me doing this for myself. If you want to follow the podcast, the Twitter account, at PlexWeather, all one word. Uh, the red lightning bolt that I drew in MS Paint is still there. Um, it's still the logo. If you want to find it on the, the, find the website, find it on the web. This is where I was going with that plexweather.pinecast.co that's got all the podcast episodes from the past including this one it also has a link to a tip jar if you'd like to support the show maybe help me replace this usb cord that 
may stop working again because again i i don't know why it was broken i don't know why it stopped working again the the link to the tip jar is there don't feel obliged but if you feel like supporting the show it would be tremendously meaningful to me um you can find the show on google podcasts apple podcasts stitcher spotify other podcast services i'm sure those are the ones that i know for sure but there are other options these things happen Uh, i don't even know who's in charge of it uh maybe maybe no one i don't know and on that confused note as always a confused note and actually before i end the show i will say that while the show was away it wasn't that i wasn't doing interviews i got something coming you may have seen a couple hints about it from my personal twitter account which is at jason dc soccer i always forget to throw that in uh or uh from a couple other places it's a weird one it's going to be very strange and very goofy, but it's been very fun. Uh, hopefully, uh, that should be an episode that comes out later this month or maybe in the first week of June. But yeah, it's it's going to be a weird one, but I think it'll be enjoyable to everyone. So hopefully, you'll catch that one. Uh, I'll make sure to uh, sp- spread the word on that extremely bizarre uh, bit of podcasting that I did. And now, on that note, with a, one last plug for a future episode that I'm not even 100% done done with yet. Uh, Thanking Anna and Andre for their time once again. Thanks for listening.